The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. This is the Doctor's Lounge, and I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. This is the place where doctors present information that other doctors have been thinking about because they can no longer talk about these things in public. We used to say the tagline for this show was the doctor's lounge gives you the information that doctors are talking about and doctor's lounges all across the country. But of course, we know that that's not true anymore because we can't say anything anymore out loud. We can think it. They still haven't been able to stop us from thinking things, but we can't speak about them out loud. Otherwise, we face the cancel culture and uh, and in uh, many cases, um, worse than that. Believe it or not, there is a fate for doctors worse than cancel culture, which is getting reprimanded by hospitals or getting their licenses taken away by medical boards just for saying the wrong thing. I'll tell you uh, an anecdote. We used to um, uh, talk a lot in operating rooms, despite the... the uh, uh, the uh, picture of an operating room that's portrayed on TV where the um, machines are beeping and everybody is um, just uh, talking about the medical case, for most of the things we do, it's really routine and we don't need to be... um, uh, although we're 100% focused on what we're doing, it's it's really pretty much automatic. So we talk about things. And we used to talk about everything in the operating room. And I mean everything. It, there was nothing that was really off limits. But now, that's not the case. We have to look around. I have to look around. I have to see who's in my operating room. If it's my regular team, then it's safe. But if they start to bring in people who I don't know, people who um, might um, think that what we're talking about is offensive, whether it's about politics or it's about gender or it's about um, uh, any any real topic, what what you just name it if it's uh, if they are going to be offended by it they can report you to your um to your uh hospital administration they'll drag your butt in and uh and they'll um they'll rake you across the coals for for saying the wrong thing so you can't you can't talk anymore but on this show we have opinions and doctors who come on here and who are not afraid to speak the truth, who are not afraid to speak their mind, and I'm hopeful that we will get back to that at some point in time. This show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Um, The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is the only physician-led healthcare think tank uh, in the country, um, our group uh, is uh, um, a uh, a group that's uh, dedicated to 
upholding the doctor-patient relationship and uh, preserving health care freedom for Americans and giving people the information and the, um, and the knowledge so that they will be able to advocate for themselves and for their family. You know, um, every week when I come on, I always ask you to go to the website and donate, and you know, and I, I think that pretty much falls on deaf ears most of the time. So I want to take a different angle today. Um, I have been thinking about this, and and the what's happening in the Ukraine and all of these GoFundMe sites that have been put up there um, really got me thinking, and. Um, and what really um, stuck stuck with me was some of these GoFundMe sites are for some of the most despicable things. And I'm not talking about Ukraine. I'm talking about um, that um, that animal in Wisconsin who ran over uh, uh, crowds of people in the Christmas parade, um, who uh, some people saw fit to start a GoFundMe page for his defense. And there are numerous examples of of horrible people who you get um, support for from from idiots out there who think it's a good idea to uh, raise money to help these 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 pariahs of society. So I was just thinking about this, and as I mentioned on the last show, I want to thank everybody who either listens to this show live or downloads it afterward and continues to support the show. It's very important that you continue to do that, and I um, and I thank you for doing that, and and I hope that you're telling your friends about that so we can grow the show because we speak truth on this show and give information that you won't hear other places. But I was just thinking that what if we had a GoFundMe page for? Docs for Patient Care Foundation. We really don't need one because you could just go to the website. But if people need to follow the progress of it, we certainly can do that. And I'm hoping that we don't have to do that. I'm hoping that my um, appeal to you today will um, preclude that. And I'll be happy to give you an update um, as to how successful we are at what I'm going to ask right now. But if every one of you who downloaded this podcast just gave one dollar, just one dollar, that would make an enormous difference to our fundraising for the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Just one dollar. You can certainly give more. We would love for you to give more. You can give five dollars, which is the cost of a latte now at Starbucks. Or $7, which is the cost of a gallon of gasoline in California. Or more, if you choose to, but just $1. And if everybody does that, it would be tremendous. It would be so impactful. And um, I I would love to be able to report to you in a couple of weeks that, uh, or next month, that this 
was a smashing success and that the power of this audience, of the listeners, was such that you support what we're talking about and uh, and are um, on, on our team. So I'm asking everybody uh, to go ahead and, and please um, go to your computer to triple w d the number four p c foundation dot org that's d four p c foundation dot org or just google docs for patient care foundation on and go to the browser and just click on that and go to our donate page one dollar just one dollar and that would be so impactful if the whole audience did that so the um Healthcare. You know, I'm getting tired of talking about COVID, and uh, I think that there's a lot of COVID fatigue. We'll, we'll probably mention it a few times today on the show, but that's not the gist of today's show at all. But healthcare is what this show is dedicated to talking about. But nobody's talking about healthcare right now, at least not directly. Yeah, we're talking about COVID, and that's healthcare. And we're talking about high drug prices, and people have some ideas about how to bring them down. That's healthcare, too. But nobody's really talking about healthcare in general. It's not the hot button item that it has been since the 2008 election. It had been the number one or number two issue among Americans in every election cycle since 2008. But not now. There's just way too much other stuff going on. And that is actually bad news. Um, It's bad news for those of us who pay attention to health care. And why? Because when healthcare flies under the radar, more insidious things can be done. If you're not paying attention, if people are distracted and healthcare is not one of the front and center issues for them, then there are those who are going to harm healthcare because they've got their ideas about what. American healthcare should look like. If you remember, the left has wanted to socialize healthcare forever. Um, the problem is that the price tag was the problem. You know, in in the Bernie Sanders plan. Um, of health care, it was going to be a price tag of about $1.7 trillion over 10 years um, to uh, get to where he wanted to get to. But it's not so much of a problem now, the price tag, is it? Because the left recklessly prints money. They throw around trillions like it were $5 bills out of my wallet. So the price tag isn't really the issue anymore. Um, but despite the fact that the socialized health care plan has fallen by the wayside, 
it has been revived at a state level. People are talking about it again. In California, they're talking about it. Not so much um, right now. Um, Governor Newsom floated that idea about the state establishing their own um, statewide health plan and putting private insurance out of business, that did not really fly very well. Um, I think that he's backed off a bit because the price tag was going to mean doubling the taxation in the state of California, which would drive out what remaining people with money are still in California. It's resurfaced again in, in Nevada. Nevada's now talking about a ballot initiative to create a new statewide health care plan. And we'll see how far that goes because we know it failed miserably in Vermont. It didn't even get to the statewide initiative because the governor pulled the plug when taxes were um, uh, proposed to be raised uh, 10% to cover this. We'll see what happens in Nevada. But there's just not an appetite to tackle the big um, 800-pound gorilla uh, of health care, the elephant in the room. Instead, what the left is hoping to do is to backdoor things. So what does that mean? Well, it means using Medicare as a vehicle to socialize Healthcare in a stealth manner. So how do they do that? Well, they do that by increasing the um, uh, number of people on Medicare. They do that by decreasing the Medicare age eligibility from 65 to maybe 60 or 55 or younger. They do it by increasing the, the um, amount of benefits that Medicare recipients receive. On the surface, it sounds wonderful when you get dental and vision and hearing and other services. But the reality is that it will crowd out private insurance, private um, means of healthcare delivery, making people more dependent on the government. They do it by using Medicare as the vehicle to rein in, and that's in, that's in air quotes, the high cost of prescription drugs by using Medicare as the vehicle to fix the cost of prescription drugs. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more because that's important and worth um, uh, doing a deeper dive into. And so we have Joe Biden, who is the avatar for the left. They wheel him out to the public on a semi-regular basis, and he gets to read from the teleprompter words that I don't think he can fully comprehend anymore and tries to convince the American public about things that just are not true. Can 
anybody believe anything that Joe Biden says? Can he, can we rely on any of that? It's, I'm not sure he even knows that he is lying anymore, as I said. He is so confused about everything, and the people around him have convinced him about what he, again, air quotes, believes. So he talks about this all the time, like these are his original thoughts. But I don't think he's able to discern the truth from lies anymore, fact from fiction. In fact, Joe Biden, even before he has shown signs of progressing dementia, was unable to deal with the truth. We know that dating back to his early years when he had all of his senses and he was um, uh, found to be a plagiarist in his in his schoolwork or a liar about his accomplishments. But now he's just simply a puppet. And whoever is pulling the strings is are the ones who are bent on destroying our society. And if you look at everything, and I mean everything, there isn't anything that Biden has not ruined, and there's nothing that his handlers wouldn't try to do to convince the American public that everything is just peachy, and that it's either going well, and that what we see with our own eyes is really not true, or that we're just not getting it right, and it's somebody else's fault, mostly. Look at Donald Trump. He's still the boogeyman for the left and for, Don, and for Joe Biden. He hasn't been in office now um, since um, 2020, since January of 2020, or, or January of 2021. And, um, and, and yet he is still being blamed for some of the things that are happening to us. Or, or, or um, Vladimir Putin, he's getting blamed. He's getting blamed for the rising oil prices when, in fact, that's just a, a, a blatant lie. We, we saw what happened to oil prices the day that Joe Biden got into office. The day he got into office, he declared war against the energy sector. And from that day on... The price of barrel of oil has steadily gone up, and it continues to go up. And it has nothing to do with Russia. It has everything to do with the inept leadership that our country now has. Everything is going in the wrong direction. And the list is so long that I am not going to try to bore you with the details again. But... Let's bring this back to health care and focus on that. So Joe Biden recently gave a State of the Union address. And in that address, he spoke about lowering health insurance costs and improving the quality of health care, including a goal to, quote, cut cancer death rates by at least 50% over the next 25 years. 
end quote. And I want to first, before I proceed further, give a lot of credit for what I'm going to talk about today to Brian Blaze, who is a, uh, a former um, a fellow um, and faculty of of the Mercatus Institute, a former Trump healthcare um, advisor, and current. Um, uh, advisor and consultant with Galen Institute. He he writes um, uh, on a regular basis about healthcare issues, and he knows healthcare probably as well as anybody. And he re- recently wrote a very um, a poignant piece about Joe Biden and the State of the Union address healthcare lies, which I am plagiarizing today for the most part. But I thought it was so important that I wanted to share it with my audience. So the credit goes entirely to to uh, Brian for uh, who's been a guest on this show for a lot of uh, content for what I'm going to talk about today. And unlike Joe Biden, I will not plagiarize. I will I will give credit where credit is due. But getting back to his to Joe Biden goal of curing cancer. He is so full of you-know-what. These platitudes are utterly meaningless because it's based on nothingness. They're just, they are just ether. It's words. There's nothing, no substance behind any of this. Just like his campaign rhetoric about wiping out COVID if he was elected president. And the reality is that more people have died under Biden from COVID than under Donald Trump. And every aspect of the mobilization of managing this pandemic have been inept. Vaccines, antivirals, other therapeutics, etc. In the hands of Joe Biden and his administration, it has been a multiple steps backward when you take Trump and his project Warp Speed which is responsible for the vaccines in the first place if Joe Biden were president at the onset of this pandemic we would be in such a world of hurt because there's no possible way that he could have mobilized private industry pharmaceutical industry um other industries like General Motors and Ford to retrofit their their plants to make ventilators. There's no way Joe Biden has the gravitas to do that. In his State of the Union address, the president said that the Affordable Care Act, the, the subsidies from the Affordable Care Act in the American Rescue Plan which went to insurers to reduce the premiums paid by policyholders would cut the cost of health care insurance. Lie. The truth is that the total costs have actually increased. And the reason is that government subsidies, government-sponsored insurance, has crowded out private spending. It's resulted in Healthcare inflation, which has been on top of the 
record inflation that we are now seeing, which is now over 7%, the highest it's been in over 40 years, and the changes in the health care subsidies actually benefited wealthier households more than poorer ones. The problem with propping up the Affordable Care Act is that it moves us closer to a single payer, to government-controlled health care. And this is the ultimate goal of the left. But they are skillful, they are adept at using language brilliantly, as they always do, in trying to say that this um, of plan, this these these uh, subsidies to this plan are actually lower costs. It's a giant lie to get everybody to buy into this, and the lies just keep coming. They never stop. So, what are some other Joe Biden healthcare lies that he spun? during the State of the Union address. And again, remember, this is not Joe Biden talking. This is his handlers, his speechwriters. It's the, it's the people behind the curtain who are pulling the strings on this marionette and getting him to say the things that they want him to say. Biden claims, claimed in the State of the Union address, that increased subsidies can tame inflation. (laughs) This is preposterous. This is another giant lie. Higher government spending, such as Medicare expansion or expanding the ACA subsidies, actually fuels inflation. And it raises prices throughout the health care economy, and it bleeds over into the general economy. And it makes no sense to print more money when we're already at record levels of deficit spending. But they don't care. They're just, it's it's a printing press. It's almost like counterfeiting money. And that's what the federal government is doing. You heard yesterday, now they're talking about, Biden issued an executive order to look into crypto. This is a government government-run crypto. You talk about counterfeiting money. This is the absolute epitome of doing this. This is what they are all about. And it makes no sense to send more money to states which already have large surpluses with regard to health care spending. They've received so much money, they don't even spend it. Instead, they divert their funds into other areas. So they're not making any positive changes in the cost of health care. But instead, these this money that's being pumped to the states are resulting in prices going up, in more wasteful government spending, in increased deficits and ultimately higher inflation. A problem, as I said, we are just now beginning to see. We're just beginning to see the beginning or the start of of what inflation is. If 
you're old enough to remember Jimmy Carter, and I don't know how many people in this listening audience are old enough to remember back then, but if you remember Jimmy Carter, inflation was out of control. We were dealing with 18% interest rates. It was it was ridiculous. People couldn't afford to buy houses because the interest rates were so high. People were putting money on their credit cards and they couldn't pay off their credit cards because 18% was the floor. Credit card interest was far, far greater than that. Well, that's where we're getting to again, folks. This is where we are heading because as inflation goes up, they will raise interest rates. The Fed has been really good at keeping interest rates low, but they can only do that for so much time, for only for so long. Because if the interest rates are low and people aren't earning any anything on their savings, then the more inflation goes up, the greater the gap is in what people are actually um, earning or what people people's worth ultimate net worth is if you are seeing your interest rates staying pat at two percent or one and a half percent and inflation is going up to seven and a half percent which is at now or maybe eight percent in a couple of months or nine percent by the end of the year then you're now losing 8% on what money you have. And that that gap is going to increase and get worse and worse for people. And they are not going to be able to sustain that. We're going to talk about some more of the Joe Biden health care lies in his State of the Union address when we return to the Doctor's Lounge. So please stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. We are back in the doctor's lounge, and we are talking about the State of the Union Address, Joe Biden, and the lies he uh, is so quick to tell regarding health care. What we finished off the last segment talking about was when Joe Biden said in his State of the Union Address that spending more on health care subsidies will tame inflation, he's flat out lying. What else did he say about health care? Well, he proposed empowering the secretary of HHS, who is Javier Becerra, another winner from whom we have heard nothing in the midst of the worst health care disaster in our country. He's a he's not a health care person. He's a career um, uh, um, politician a former California attorney general, a political hack, and uh, he is um, really just the worst possible uh, person in a health care emergency to be the secretary of HHS. But the president wants to empower him to be able to set pharmaceutical prices to save money. What an idiotic idea. He knows nothing about how the pharmaceutical company industry works. The pharmaceutical industry is a business, not a public utility, and thank God for that. There's incentive, financial incentive, to develop medications. Now, these sometimes will clash with public need, and I get that, and I'm not an apologist for the pharmaceutical industry, but we have to recognize the drug companies for what they are. The innovative drugs that have changed our lives and have allowed individuals with once fatal illnesses to live normal lives are able to do so because of the miraculous drugs that come out of the pharmaceutical industry. It takes about a billion dollars to bring a drug to market. That includes research and development, testing, compliance, marketing, etc. And this process is expensive, and even more so in the United States because of the overregulation in this country. And the pharmaceutical companies not only need to recoup their investment in trying to develop these drugs, but they've got to show profits because they're answerable to their shareholders, their their corporations. Now, I heard... Dr. Tom Price this past weekend discussing this matter on a a radio show. And he's someone who has been on this show, who is a great guy, who I have a lot of respect for, someone who understands the healthcare and political systems. He's a physician. He was a high-ranking member of the House of Representatives, and he's the former Secretary of Health and Human Services. And what he pointed out was what most people already know, that the world passes off the high cost of drugs to us. Socialized medical systems dominate most Western countries, and they simply tell pharmaceutical companies what they are willing to pay for these drugs. And the drug companies not wanting to be excluded from the formularies 
of these countries accepts whatever drug prices they are told the countries will pay. So why do they do this? Because they know that they can pass along the costs to the American consumers. And what Dr. Price was saying is that it does not need to be this way. American diplomats can put pressure on Western countries to stop this practice so that these countries pay their fair share in the development of these drugs. And if the cost of these drugs was more evenly distributed worldwide, then the cost for drugs in the United States would come down. Pharmaceutical companies need to also be held accountable because they've accepted these lowball prices and they should face penalties for doing this in the United States. And they should tell the countries that are um, lowballing them that if they want access, if they want their population to have access to the best drugs, to the health saving, the life saving drugs that they've developed, then they've got to pay more for them. And let's see how that goes over in Great Britain or in France if their, their people, if the, if the um, citizens have no ability to have access to those drugs because their governments won't pay for it. And finally, drug costs come down dramatically if we get rid of middlemen, the pharmacy benefit management companies. PBMs are a major reason why drug prices are so high for patients. And there are two problems with PBMs. First, they extort money from pharmaceutical companies so that they can get their drugs onto an insurance company's formulary. And second, many pharmaceutical companies give rebates that are intended for patients. But this is this is not what happens. And this is important because for some of the more expensive drugs, these rebates would be a game changer. But unfortunately, these rebates don't flow through to the patients. And instead, the PBMs keep these rebates and they just enrich themselves and they pass along the costs to the patients. So they basically steal money from patients. And we're talking about billions and billions, tens of billions of dollars annually. So if the government sets prices, which is the new media talking point, quote, let Medicare negotiate drug prices, end quote, what would happen is it would harm innovation and reduce Americans' well-being over time. Why? Because there will be no incentive for pharmaceutical companies to go out on a limb and try to develop some of the most innovative and new and creative life-saving drugs. Former chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors, Thomas Phillipson, estimates that these Biden proposals would lead to 135 fewer new drug approvals over the next two decades. So what does that mean? It means this reduced innovation would cost lives, more lives than you can account for over the next two decades, more lives than 
have been taken from COVID. So you need to consider repercussions. The talking points are all really popular, and the left has become adept at being able to spin words and shape opinion based on on platitudes and what people are what they think people want to hear but there are downstream implications and this is one of the more powerful ones so again joe biden lied to america in a state of the union address joe biden discussed the need to address mental health challenges including addiction but how serious is he about this not very He has failed to address how government lockdown policies, including the unjustified closing of schools across the country, has failed so miserably and actually made mental health problems so much worse, especially in children. A recently released study from Johns Hopkins determined that, quote, lockdowns have had little to no public health effects and were ill-founded and should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument, end quote. This was a scientific study, but you heard a lot about it on the network news, didn't you? Not. Not a minute. Not, not 30 seconds were devoted to this. Why? Because this is the science that the left refuses to follow. They refuse to follow the science that refutes their agenda. They, this comes. This reminds me of a very um, not famous, but a a uh, a saying of one of my f- former um, uh, met, uh, residency um, professors, which is never let the data interfere with your conclusions, and that's how the left operates. Now, what about addiction that Joe Biden said we need to tackle? Well, how can he be taken seriously when he has failed so miserably in preventing the major influx of illegal drugs into this country? And that would be through the southern border. And his failure in securing the border is directly responsible for a record amount of drugs, especially deadly fentanyl, coming into this country. Fentanyl seizures has increased 360% in the last year, according to U.S. um, Border and Customs. And that's just what we know about. It's not just the Mexican cartels either, but it's also Chinese cartels. They're working hand-in-glove with the Mexicans partnering and getting fentanyl across the border. As of May 2021, which was fiscal end of fiscal year 2021, U.S. Border and Customs Protection seized 7,450 pounds of fentanyl at the southern border. Just, just a gram of fentanyl is deadly. That figure surpassed that of the three previous years combined. In 2019, more than 36,000 people died in the U.S. from fentanyl overdoses. That was 16% greater than in the previous year, 2018. Last year, drug overdose deaths increased by 30%. And fentanyl was the primary reason. And the wide open southern border is the culprit. Thank you, Joe Biden, for this. So, 
when he says that he's going to be serious about addiction, what he is saying is that he's going to get serious about solidifying the left's addiction to power, not to drug addiction. He's no he's got no intention of getting to the root of the drug addiction problem because then he'd have to reverse his border policy to do so. So again, Joe Biden, serial liar. Finally, State of the Un- Union message on health care number five. He spoke about the importance of a government watchdog in health care. And what this should mean would be concentrating on Medicaid, which is the program with the greatest amount of waste and fraud, abuse and misspending. And improper federal Medicaid payments account for $100 billion per year. And when you account for the state's contribution and the fraud and abuse at the state level, that adds about another $50 billion per year for a total of about $150 billion per year, it's B, billion per year in fraudulent improper Medicaid spending. And although Biden has called for a government watchdog to prosecute individuals who steal this relief assistance, where is his effort to prevent wasteful spending for money that has been allocated for COVID relief? There's been a, a, a number that far dwarfs this $150 billion in Medicaid fraud that has been allocated to COVID, and we have no idea where that money is. There has never been a clear accounting on where or how much of the almost $5 trillion, that's with a T, trillion dollars in appropriated COVID money has been spent. And a fraction of this money has actually been spent, just a fraction. So where is the money? In addition, the money given to states and cities hasn't been spent, just a small fraction. Associated Press reported that as of October, over half of the states and two-thirds of the 90 largest cities in the U.S. had not spent any of the American Rescue Plan money that was allocated toward COVID. And the AP found that states that did spend had spent only 2.5% of the funds that they received, and the large cities only spent 8.5%. Much of this money has been diverted elsewhere for other uses. So is Joe Biden really interested in spending healthcare dollars wisely? Of course he isn't. He's this is just again rhetoric. He's not interested in in saving the taxpayers healthcare dollars. He's not interested in accountability. He again is lying to America on healthcare. So what's the point of this this um, dissertation on Joe Biden and healthcare? He doesn't know anything about healthcare. He is a all about government control. And if the government controls health care for all Americans, then we must be prepared for the worst. Rationing care, destruction of traditional Medicare, with the burden being um, most on seniors who will not 
be getting what they believe they would be getting from the Medicare program. It would be based on allocation of medical services, based on race and identity, which is what the left is um, pushing towards. Um, Let's digress for just a minute. And uh, I'm going to take five minutes to do a COVID digression, which I stayed away from for most of the show. So the politics of COVID is beginning to rear its head. I ask you, has anything changed in the past month with regard to scientific information, except for the Johns Hopkins study, about the pandemic with regard to therapeutics, vaccinations, hospitalization rates, death rates, anything. Has there been any study that has really been um, consequential that has altered our approach towards how we deal with COVID? The answer is no. Of course there hasn't. And yet, what we are seeing every day is a relaxation of regulations. New York City has dropped their mask mandate. They've, ma- they've dropped the requirement for restaurants to check your COVID status. They've dropped the mandate for ushers at the gates of Madison Square Garden to check your COVID status before a Knicks basketball game. Hawaii became the last state to remove its indoor mask mandate at public gatherings and restaurants. In fact, the CDC had a forum last week, including um, Director Walensky, including Fauci, including some other uh, medical experts, and they changed the definition of COVID-19. So it's no longer a pandemic. Congratulations, we are no longer in a pandemic. It is endemic. What does endemic even mean? Endemic is what I've been saying for the last two years. Endemic is when you've got diseases that are just part of our um, biome. It's, It's just out there. The common cold is endemic. Flu is endemic. Well, guess what? Now, COVID-19 is endemic. So, where where did the absurd rhetoric from the left about eliminating COVID, COVID COVID-zero, go to? Has it quietly disappeared? Apparently, it has. So, how did this happen? How did we all of a sudden go from pandemic to endemic overnight. What did they, what did they um, find that was so, so um, startling, that was so obvious that, that um, we um, could now reassess COVID and relabel things? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's the polls. It is the politics. It is the wariness of the American public 
not just the American public, but the international public, the truckers in in Canada, the the um, parents who are confronting school boards all across the country. There is a deep, deep sense of COVID fatigue. And despite the best efforts of the left to retain power, to flex their muscles, to keep COVID alive in the minds of all Americans and pretend how devastating and dangerous it is on a daily basis for us, they failed. They were hoping that they could do this. Why were they hoping? Because Election Day 2022 is coming up in November. And the more Americans fear COVID, the more of a problem this is for the country, the more the left can get away with dirty tricks and implement measures that are beyond what we are um, supposed to be seeing in a free democratic society. I'm not going to get into whether or not the 2020 election was stolen. That's not the point. What I will say is that because of COVID, there were voting uh, measures that were allowed that far exceeded the norms, allowing people to put their their ballots in drop boxes and not being able to to uh, um, to uh, keep track of that, being able to allow uh, harvesting of votes, being able to vote without any identification. Those things are real. I don't know whether or not they made any impact into elections or not. You can speculate that all you want to, but it happened. And the left would love to see that happen again. They would like to expand on those things. And we don't want that to happen. We must make sure it doesn't happen. And by eliminating COVID as the excuse... That takes away one of the most powerful arguments that the left had in order to implement their dirty tricks. Well, they've made the calculation that COVID weariness, that the public, their their um, their tiredness of of these regulations has reached a crescendo, and that the support for the Democrat Party is dropping like a rock because of COVID as well as other things like the economy and the foreign policy blunders and everything else that that we we, you can you can uh, uh, point out um, that we see on a regular basis. So because they have made the calculation that that uh, they would lose more people by continuing this charade of a crisis they have determined that they are going to rebrand what's going on right now and hooray we are no longer in a pandemic we've reached that point because we're 
able to um, now face COVID and move forward and and live with it, which is something that that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis was saying two years ago, um, and did not shut down his economy and did not um, destroy the lives of people in Florida. So now we're seeing a re um, alteration of how we view COVID, and uh, we are no longer in a pandemic, but in a endemic situation. But it doesn't help everybody, unfortunately. The politicians are embracing this, but not the teachers' unions. It's not happening in schools all over the country. People are still having to um, wear masks. Children under age five have to wear masks so that we're all safer. It's not happening in healthcare facilities where I have to still wear my masks when I'm walking in the halls or even in my office because I'm protecting society. How absurd is this when every single member of Congress sat in Congress during the State of the Union address without a mask? So people are waking up. And do you think that people are wising up to this BS of the left? I think so. I think that they realize that Biden and his mouthpiece, Jen Psaki, are pretending that gas prices are Putin's fault and that supply chain shortages are because of the roaring economy resulting in people demanding more. I think they can pretend that the economy is great when their printing of money and profligate spending is resulting in inflation reaching an all-time high for 40 years, they're wising up. You can't believe the left. They lie and they get people to believe this and they have their uh, mouthpieces in the media who are their accomplices. So um, the question is, will people remember all of this in November and for how long? I want to just remind everybody about the challenge that I posed at the beginning of the show. Um, One dollar, one dollar would be an enormous help to the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. So go to www.d4pcfoundation.org. One dollar. More would be appreciated. One dollar. Thanks for being with us, and we will see you next time in the Doctor's Lounge. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.